Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 26th, 2024. Today, still no ruling from the D.C. Circuit on immunity. Pete Navarro gets four months in the pokey. The House ethics probe into Matt Gates is heating up. The Florida Supreme Court weighs challenging the DeSantis redistricting maps. The Colorado House GOP leader has resigned after trying to hide a DUI and gun charges. The DOJ is worried that the insurrectionist that previously killed an Iraqi civilian might snap. A Russian investor made millions off insider trading tied to Trump media. The Utah State Senate has passed an anti-trans bill. The Arizona GOP has canceled its Freedom Fest because of the Lake DeWitt scandal. And the Republican National Committee is considering a move that would declare Trump the presumptive nominee. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. It's Friday, so that means it's Fugelsang Friday. I'll be joined by John Fugelsang later in the show to discuss today's news. Also, there is a patron happy hour Zoom call today at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're a patron, thank you very much. You can join us there. Um, and 
We're going to randomly select our RSVPs for the April 20th MSW Media Meetup in DC. We'll notify everyone Saturday, this Saturday at noon Pacific-ish. That's around the time you should get the email. If you're not selected, stay a patron because first you're helping to support independent media and we love you. But you'll also be given priority for future events. And I'll be going on tour this summer and in the fall. And you'll get pre-sale tickets, VIP meet and greet tickets just for patrons only for those shows. That's where we hang out for an hour before the show at the venue and have cocktails and mocktails. Uh, You'll continue to get all of the episodes ad-free and early. Uh, So if you're not a patron and you want pre-sale tickets, access to the the patron meet and greets, the Zoom calls on uh, every other Friday, premium seating for shows, uh, you can sign up now at patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. And if you can't swing it, we have a wait list to be um, we, where we have people who donate one-year premium subscriptions. You can uh, hop on that or donate a year to someone in who you know who can't swing it at uh, dailybeanspod.com. Just scroll down and click on patrons helping patrons. I'm hoping we get that immunity ruling before we record the Jack episode today, later today, Andy and I. Um, so help me will that into existence. Would you burn some sage, light a candle, chant something, so do, do a thing. Um, we really need that immunity ruling, uh, not just because I want to read it and report on it, but because every day we don't get it is another day the trial is delayed in D.C. And we just we need that ruling. Um, also, let's see what else is going on. Um, it's been a long week. Dana's out today. She will be back on Tuesday. She's traveling, of course, doing incredible work uh, for for Democrats in the community and Lambda Legal and HRC and all of the amazing things that she does. And I know she's got a couple of uh, other shows that she's uh, participating in. You can get all of that info at DanaGoldberg.com. Um, and I guess that's pretty much the intro to today's show. We have so much news to get to. And then of course, we'll, uh, after we talk to John Fugel saying we'll have the good news, but let's first hit the hot notes, hot notes. All right. You know, I have to open with this story from the Miami Herald, a Russian American businessman based in Miami is suspected of making nearly $23 million from alleged insider trading involving former President Donald Trump's media company. And that's according to federal court records. The businessman, Anton, let's see, Postolnikov, he's the owner of a Caribbean bank that caters to the porn industry and also reportedly loaned $8 million to Trump's media company. So this guy, uh, Postolnikov, who owns a few residences on exclusive Fisher Island in Miami, Uh, I think the Jeb Bushes live there, or at least that's what they say in the plot of The Birdcage, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, This guy is the nephew of a former high-ranking Russian government official who at one time was a staffer for Russian President Vladimir Putin. That's according to media reports. So Russian guy, porn industry, ties to Vladimir Putin, funding Trump's Truth Social, and insider trading, 23 million bucks he's made. The insider trading allegations surfaced in court documents filed last month in a New York securities fraud case brought last year against three South Florida men. That's Michael Schwarzman, 52, of Sunny Isles Beach, Gerald Schwarzman, 46, of Aventura, and Bruce Gerlich, or Gerlich. He's 54, of Fort Lauderdale. They're accused of making about $23 million from insider trades on the Trump media merger with a Miami-based company, DWAC, Digital World Acquisition Corp., and sharing non-public information with friends and business associates about the impending deal so that they could profit. That's according to an indictment. 
Trump, who is the front runner to win the Republican nomination for president this year, has not been accused of any wrongdoing in this case. The former president is the chairman of Trump Media and Technology Group. That's the parent company of the social media platform True Social. And he indicated in April of 2023 financial disclosures, he owns 90% of the company. He pegged the value of his stake between $5 million and $25 million. Now, the startling revelations about Postolnikov were included in government documents filed by defense attorneys for Gerlich and Michael Schwartzman in their efforts to get evidence collected by federal investigators thrown out of the case. They say it's fruit of the poison tree. Now, Postolnikov, who's 41, has not been charged with any wrongdoing, but FBI search warrant applications filed in the New York case show that federal agents were investigating his relationship with the three defendants and his trades on DWAC stock before and after the announcement of its merger with Trump Media in October 2021. Other recent filings in federal insider trading cases suggest that more charges could be coming, though it is unclear if Pistolnikov would be added to the trio of current defendants. My beans are that yes, he will. Now, Michael Schwartzman's attorney, Ty Park, wrote in a court filing that federal prosecutors have told Schwartzman they intend to charge him with money laundering for his efforts to hide his profits from his insider trades at DWAC. Schwartzman's investment firm, Rocket One Capital, made $18.2 million in profits from the trades, and that's according to the federal indictment. His brother, Gerald, who owns a furniture store, made $4.6 million, and Gerlich, who worked for Rocket One Capital, made about fifty grand. Now, the basis for the additional charges could come from material prosecutors obtained through a confidential informant working for Homeland Security Investigations, who, from late 2022 through most of 2023, posed as a financial professional, offering to help Michael Schwartzman move his assets to an offshore company. Schwartzman's lawyer argued that the federal authorities violated his constitutional rights in using the informant after Schwartzman and his, his investment firm had already been subpoenaed and they continued to do so after he was charged with insider trading in July. Now, the alleged insider trades aren't the only financial connection between Postolnikov and the Trump company. Dominica-based Paxum Bank, we've talked about this, this is a public records show, it's controlled by uh, Postolnikov. It was reported uh, to be the conduit of $8 million in loans to Trump media. That's according to Washington Post. We talked about that when it happened. The money came from a mysterious entity called the ES Family Trust, which listed a Paxum Bank employee named Angel Pacheco as the trustee. And of course, as you remember, we reported on that too. Now, the connection between uh, Postolnikov and the loans was also previously reported by our friends at The Guardian. Trump Media has filed a lawsuit against The Washington Post for defamation. Because of that, the company acknowledged last year that the SEC, to the SEC, that it owes at least $2 million to the ES Family Trust. And Leguminati, that lawsuit from Trump Media against the Washington Post, I am personally mentioned as a prominent Trump hater on Twitter. So thank you. Anyway, I'll keep an eye on this story for you. But, you know, I mean, I remember back in the in the Mueller she wrote days when we were like founding member of the Fugees uh, indicted alongside, you know, financier Jolo for laundering millions of dollars. Like like the stories and, but you know, um, he funded the Wolf of Wall Street. And somehow Ice Cube is involved because he wanted to start a basketball league 
Uh, I'm like the things that that I am just unable to come up with in my imagination come out in these court documents. And today, it's that you know pal of you know former Putin staffer who's a Russian porn guy that lent eight million dollars to Truth Social could be on the hook for insider trading. I, it's I can't write it. It these stories are things that would get you thrown out of a Hollywood writer's room. They are so unbelievable and just ridiculous, but they are real. Next up, I promised more information on the Matt Gates story that broke yesterday during the beans. And this is from Sollenberger at the Daily Beast. Uh, if you don't follow Roger Sollenberger, you should. He, he's on top of all this stuff. As a house ethics probe into Matt Gates heats up, investigators are zeroing in on the sex trafficking allegations against him. That's according to multiple sources. Now, staffers on the ethics committee have been reaching out to alleged witnesses and potential to potential sex crimes. And that's according to two sources familiar with the ethics probe. The panel's also been trying to obtain records from the Department of Justice related to its investigation into Matt Gates. And that's according to one of the sources. Just before the publication of this report by Sullenberger, CNN reported that the ethics committee had reached out to women Gates allegedly had sex with when she was underage. I call that rape. But, uh, you know, sex with a minor, that's what that is. Now, the ethics panel has made contact and requested meetings with these witnesses, but sources would not confirm if any interviews had already occurred. We don't know if they've talked to, to these women. Reports up to this point have not confirmed that the ethics investigation, which the House revived last year shortly after the DOG tabled its probe, was targeting the most explosive allegations against Gates. Sources familiar with the House probe previously told the Daily Beast that the investigations didn't initially appear to delve into the sex trafficking claims, but after the committee published its report on George Santos, prompting his ouster in November, it appears investigators have gone all in on Gates. I think this probably has something to do with Gates not falling into line on the McCarthy vote, that 15 ballot for Speaker, um, perhaps about him voting to oust McCarthy as speaker, maybe something along those lines. Remember, there was almost a fight that broke out on the floor of the House when they were trying to elect a speaker. 15 ballots. First time in 100 years. And somebody came up to Gates and said, wagged his finger at him like, Marrr. and then Gates finally like voted for, for McCarthy for speaker. I think that's, I think this is payback this house, house ethics probe. Now there's uh, an equal amount of Democrats on this, on this panel. So, but the Republicans on the panel, um, are, are all in, uh, in this Matt Gates investigation. Two people familiar confirmed to the Daily Beast, uh, that the committee is now zeroing in on the sex trafficking. A person briefed on the committee's work added the investigators have contacted a number of women at the center of the child sex trafficking probe, including the former minor and that they expected the outreach to be returned in the coming weeks. Quote, they're specifically looking at sex trafficking as well as drugs and payments, the sources said. We'll keep an eye on it. Next, remember the Army uh, veteran insurrectionist that killed a civilian in Iraq in 2004? I have an update from Politico on this. Prosecutors say the FBI discovered an assault rifle and 73 rounds of ammo in his closet, even though he had been barred from owning firearms as a result of his 2005 conviction for shooting an Iraqi civilian in the head. 
Now, Justice Department officials pointed to the discovery Wednesday in a bid to immediately lock him up, remand him. Uh, and this Louisiana is Louisiana resident, by the way, Edward Richmond Jr. They want to remand him while he awaits trial on charges that he wielded a metal baton against police at the Capitol while donning tactical gear. They say Richmond is both dangerous to those around him and at risk of attempting to flee ahead of the proceedings. This case is among the most unusual January 6th case in the government's sprawling three-year investigation, which, by the way, has netted more than 1,250 arrests um, and have included dozens of current and former members of the military. Richmond was court-martialed for the manslaughter in 2004 um, for shooting an unarmed, handcuffed Iraqi cowherder in the back of the head. He was sentenced to three years in military confinement, the brig, for that crime. Prosecutors say that as a result of his conviction, Richmond was not permitted to own firearms, and he's likely to face federal charges for the AR-15 that the FBI found in his closet. Quote, Richmond knows that a gun can irrevocably destroy lives. This did not deter him from possessing an assault weapon. That was Assistant U.S. Attorney Victoria Sheets in a filing seeking his pretrial detention. Quote, he served multiple years in jail for shooting a man and was, undoubted, and was undoubtedly aware that any future possession of firearms could send him back to jail. This did not deter him. He cannot be trusted to follow the law and he cannot be trusted not to lash out again. A federal magistrate judge in Louisiana denied the DOJ's initial bid to detain him contending that prosecutors had failed to adequately prove he was dangerous or a flight risk. Rather, Magistrate Judge Aaron uh, Wilder-Dooms found Richmond had attempted at times to contact the DOJ about his conduct on January 6th, not the actions of someone seeking to flee justice, and noted that he has a child and he's responsible for in Louisiana. More significantly, Wilder Dooms, the judge, said prosecutors did not act on evidence against Richards for more than two years, suggesting he, quote, may not be a threat, may not be the threat that the government now thinks he is. Prosecutors have appealed Wilder Dooms' ruling to a federal judge in D.C., and they're seeking emergency consideration for the matter. Quote, the government is concerned that, under growing pressure, he may snap again. That's what Sheets wrote in a 19-page motion to detain him pretrial. I'll let you know if they end up remanding him. And from the AZ Republic, former President Trump has canceled his Friday visit to Arizona, that's today, which was intended to help raise money for the state Republican Party, which is now in turmoil following the abrupt resignation on Wednesday of its chair, Jeff DeWitt. An Arizona GOP spokesperson confirmed the cancellation to the Arizona Republic on Thursday afternoon. The reason for the change in plans was not immediately clear, but Trump had been scheduled to hold a rally at a Dream City Church in North Phoenix as part of the Arizona GOP's Freedom Fest. Pew, pew, pew. That event. We've been talking about this for many, many years now. Quote, President Trump will be in New York City for court Friday and unable to make the event, but will be back to Arizona as soon as possible. That's Jason Miller, we know him, senior advisor to the Trump campaign, in a written statement provided to the Arizona Republic. Quote, we look forward to winning Arizona for President Trump, electing Senate candidate Carrie Lake, and working with the AZGOP to do it. The entire Freedom Fest event is canceled because Trump's not coming, according to Dejana, and I'm not going to pronounce this last name properly, uh, Zlat Kanan. She's an Arizona GOP spokesperson. Now, closing arguments. In E. Jean Carroll's defamation case against Trump are set for today in New York City. Trump gave a 
very brief testimony Thursday in the trial. It lasted three minutes. Cue the jokes. The cancellation comes one day after DeWitt, the party's chair, resigned after the release of a March 2023 auto recording in which he offered Carrie Lake a lucrative job to stay out of the U.S. Senate race. Lake rejected that. She called it a bribe. And in his resignation, DeWitt said Lake's team threatened to release another more damaging recording. In this uh, recording that was released, DeWitt cast doubts on Lake's election prospects and expressed doubt about Trump's chances. In comments to NBC News, DeWitt said there were wide, there's widespread doubt about Lake's elective viability. Now, both DeWitt and Lake are among the most prominent Trump loyalists in Arizona. Their falling out leaves the Arizona GOP suddenly searching for a new leader and comes as DeWitt was trying to rebuild its financial footing. Something that Trump visit, the Trump visit would have helped. They only had like $156,000 cash on hand. Instead, the party faces new questions ahead of its annual meeting tomorrow. The cancellation of Freedom Fest also comes at a time when Trump was looking to build momentum for general election campaign stuff after his sweep of the Iowa caucus and New Hampshire primary. Trump briefly testified in New York Thursday, as I said, in a case to assess damages against him for continuing to defame E. Jean Carroll uh, and closing arguments. As I said, those happened today. Next up from CNN, a draft resolution circulating among the RNC, Republican National Committee, would formally declare Trump the Republican Party's presumptive nominee. While the former president would still need to reach the delegate requirements necessary to win the nomination, if the resolution is approved, he would have access to the RNC's data, data operation. He would benefit from fundraising with the RNC, and he would have the support of all the committee's ground operations. It would also mean the committee would be supporting Trump and effectively opposing Nikki Haley. That's an unprecedented break from the party's past approach to the nominating process. The Haley campaign brushed off the resolution, said the GOP chairwoman, Ron McDaniel, should organize a debate ahead of the South Carolina primary at the end of February. Who cares what the RNC says, she said. We'll let millions of Republican voters across the country decide who should be our party's nominee, not a bunch of Washington insiders. Haley spokeswoman Olivia Perez-Cuba said that in a statement and went on to say, if Ronna McDaniel wants to be helpful, she can organize a debate in South Carolina unless she's also worried that Trump can't handle being on stage for more than 90 minutes with Nikki Haley. Now, Trump has posted on True Social he does not want the RNC to crown him king. He wants the voters to decide. He wants to beat Haley at the ballot box in the nominating process. Fine by me. The longer Haley is out there attacking him and forcing him to spend money in state after state, the happier I am. All right, next up from Axios, Colorado State Rep Mike Lynch, the top Republican in the House, resigned his post Wednesday just days after reports surfaced about his 2022 arrest and attempts to hide being charged for DUI and gun possession. If you want to watch the arrest video, just Google Rep Mike Lynch DUI video and you will find it. You can see his field sobriety test. The revelations of these hidden charges eroded the standing of the minority GOP caucus and created turmoil for days. And for Lynch, the political fallout all but crushes his congressional bid in the 4th District. Lynch, who's a Republican from Wellington, announced his decision on the House floor in an emotional speech that came after his Republican colleagues twice attempted to oust him in no-confidence votes this week. Lynch became the majority leader just two, excuse me, the minority leader just two weeks after being stopped by a state patrol trooper on September 30th, 2022. He was going 90 and a 75 on Interstate 25. The trooper smelled alcohol in his breath 
and a test later registered his blood alcohol at 0.16. That's twice the legal limit. He was also in possession of a gun at the time. Before his arrest, Lynch asked the trooper to call the lobbyist for state patrol before reversing himself and asking him to keep the press out of it. That's according to the video. Now, he, he pled guilty to driving while uh, ability impaired, which is a lesser offense than DUI, and gun possession while drunk. He received 18 months probation. All other charges were dropped. Two-tiered system of justice. wonder if Matt Gates' dad got him off. I know it's not the same state, but yeah, maybe he's got friends. Next up from Politico, Florida's contested congressional map that helped Republicans capture the U.S. House may get left in place for 2024 after the state's highest court signaled it could be months before it rules on a lawsuit challenging the current districts. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and lawyers for the GOP-controlled legislature had urged the Florida Supreme Court to keep in place an appellate court ruling that upheld the map, the map that dismantled the seat that former Democratic Rep Al Lawson held, and which led to a net gain of four seats for Republicans during the 2022 cycle. That map was muscled into law by DeSantis. The high court, in a two-page decision, unanimously said Wednesday it would accept the legal challenge, but the timeline laid out by the court makes it highly improbable that they'll render a ruling before congressional qualifying begins in late April. The schedule instead suggests that the court may accept legal arguments until late May and could also schedule a hearing before the court at some point. This is a scenario that those who filed the lawsuit have been trying to avoid. Last summer, voting rights and civil rights groups sued over the maps, and they reached an agreement with the legislature and the DeSantis administration to narrow the scope of the lawsuit to focus primarily on Lawson's seat. Shortly after that, a circuit court judge said the map violated Florida's constitution and ordered legislators to redraw it. Before the ruling, the two sides agreed to expedite any appeal and hope to have the state Supreme Court resolve the case ahead of this year's legislative session. The case wasn't resolved, however, because the entire first district court of appeals, in an unusual move, took up the appeal and ultimately overturned the lower court's decision. Florida added a congressional seat in 2022 because of population growth, and that brought the state's delegation to 28. Republicans in the legislature enacted a map that was initially anticipated to hold Republicans at 16 of the 28 seats, but DeSantis vetoed the map and insisted it was unconstitutional because it still preserved a Jacksonville-based district where Black voters would have remained a substantial minority. Now, Republican legislative leaders bowed to DeSantis's demands and passed the current map that resulted in Republicans winning 20 out of 28. Four more seats. The lawsuit before the Florida Supreme Court is not the only legal challenge pending against the DeSantis map. Groups include Common Cause, the NAACP. They've filed federal lawsuits that assert the map is discriminatory and unconstitutional. A trial was held in September, but the three-judge panel that heard that case has still yet to rule. And lastly, from the Salt Lake Trib, transgender Utahns will no longer be able to use the bathroom of their gender identity in Utah's government-owned and operated buildings under a bill that passed out of the Utah Senate Thursday. The legislation, which went through major backs and forths, I guess, back and forths, then anyway, there was a lot of arguments and changes this week, but it is expected to be approved by the House on Friday morning. That's this morning. Under a third version of Morgan Republican Rep. 
Kira Birkeland's HB 257, quote, Sex-Based Designations for Privacy, Anti-Bullying and Women's Opportunities Act, made public just before noon Thursday, is a bill that changes the state's legal definition of female and male to categorize Utahns by the reproductive organs they're born with. It defines a woman's bathroom and a men's bathroom, each as spaces only designated for the exclusive use of females and males, respectively. The bill also bars trans people from using changing rooms, locker rooms, showers, and dressing rooms that align with their gender identity in government-owned and controlled facilities. Some trans adults would be allowed to enter gender-specific spaces in limited circumstances if they have had both bottom surgery, a costly and invasive procedure, and amended their birth certificate, which is a legal response impossibility for people born in some states. So how do you check that? Now, senators passed the bill 21 to 8 during floor time Thursday morning. Two Republicans, Senators Daniel Thatcher and Todd, uh, I think, Weiler, joined all the Democrats to vote against this bill. The House met Thursday afternoon to place the bill on its concurrence calendar, and it will likely see a vote as one of the first orders of business when the body meets Friday, 11 a.m. That's right now. Now, the governor hasn't responded to multiple inquiries on whether he'll sign the bill, but he seems like he will. He signed a ban on gender-affirming care for transgender youth on the second Saturday of this session. All right, everybody, we need the good news. We have the good news. We'll bring it to you. But first, we're going to talk to John Fugelsang on Fugelsang Fridays right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's Friday. That means it's Fugelsang Fridays. I'm joined by my friend, host of the Tell Me Everything show on Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127, weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. He also has his very own podcast called The John Fugelsang Show, which you can get for free wherever you get your pods. Please welcome John Fugelsang. Hey, John. Hi, Allison. I want all of your listeners to know that I uh, I passed my dementia test. Oh, Aced it. <laughs> Aced it. Could you pick out the rhino, though? I can't stop bragging about it. Yeah, I mean, I just I was down at the bar telling all the guys I can't I can't stop telling the world that I aced my dementia test because I really want all of you to know someone made me take a dementia test. So yeah, I keep talking about it. <laughs> my friends and I are all out to dinner for my birthday last Saturday, and we're just taking like online practice LSATs. And here's Trump <laughs> like taking, <laughs> taking, taking a, you know, trying to pick a rhino out of a lineup. It's fantastic. Listen, I, mean, I mean, it's listen, he keeps making he's he's trying to be the first president in history to take credit for the Obama recovery and the Biden recovery. So let's cut him some slack. All right. He's got a lot on his plate right now. He's very busy. He is very busy for sure. Hey. Real Christians talk about revenge all day long, Allison. I'll have you know. That's, that's what real Christians do. That's what I thought. Revenge and being rich, I think, are the two <laughs> things that they're really into. <laughs> Happy birthday. How was your day? Oh, it was great. It was great. I had some uh, dinner with some close friends, and uh, it was wonderful. Um, got a lot of nice cards and gifts. My producer set up a P.O. box without my knowledge to have a bunch of uh, uh, a bunch of listeners send uh, birthday cards, and I got I just got them all hand delivered to me i need to go through them there's so many i i just well, nice. uh, people are so cool well happy birthday thank you for all you do thank you for being here it was a, it was a lovely gift all of that i thought i have i'm i am surrounded by wonderful people in my life including you sir uh and i wanted to get i'm very excited to get your take on what happened in new hampshire this week yeah um 
pretty interesting, isn't it? Two weeks in a row, we get these uh, really embarrassing primary victories for the presumed incumbent of the Republican Party, for the sitting president, the leader. Last week in Iowa, he eked out a 51, 52% win uh, of his party that he supposedly controls with an iron fist. And then we found out that 86% of Iowa Republicans stayed home, which means he only got about 7% of Iowa Republicans voting for him, which means 93% of registered Iowa Republican voters didn't turn out for Donald last week. And the and ones that did, a third of them wouldn't vote for him if he were convicted. Correct. And again, it took our media a while to realize that. They no. were too busy screaming about this historic, incredible victory. Well, they were going on about the very embarrassing polls that came out uh, ahead of, of these primaries where he was supposed to win, I think, by 22 points in New Hampshire. And he was up 19 points in New Hampshire just last week. So when we look at this result and that Nikki Haley gets 46 percent and the incumbent president leader of the party running for his second term only gets like 52 to 53 percent. Well, our right-wing activist friends like Glenn Greenwald, he's one of my favorite right-wing <laughs> activists. Um, boy, I'll, I hope all those homophobes take time out to thank Glenn for all he's done for their cause. But he was saying this is because all Democrats were voting for Haley to help Trump. And that's what the dictionary calls uh, a falsehood, because Democrats cannot vote in the open New Hampshire primary. Only independents like me can do that. So, of course, some of them may be liberal like me and did that. But here's the deal. Either Donald Trump lost... 46% of Republican voters in New Hampshire, or he won almost none of the independents, which is who he will need in the fall. Mm -hmm. So there's really no way to put a positive spin on this for me, but I'm looking at Axios, just uh, Thursday morning Axios, their number one story in Axios AM's morning email, Trump's power surge and this glowing praise for how disciplined his campaign is. Oh Axios is number two story this morning. Trump's historic dominance, the primary and caucus way down. If you get to story four, you get to how Mitch McConnell is now obeying Trump's demand to do nothing about the border crisis so it will get work so they can exploit it. The media is hyping Trump as this principled success story and ignoring the fact that he's literally trying to cause chaos for our government and our citizens right now. Yeah, and let's talk about that border thing. Well, well let's talk about that in a second because I want to go back to New Hampshire for a second. Please. Somebody won in a landslide blowout oh, in yeah. New Hampshire and nobody really talked about that too much. And this person wasn't even on the ballot. I am talking about our current president, uh, President Joe Biden uh, in the Democratic primary. Uh, and, you know, New Hampshire wasn't supposed to have one. Uh, this was a for funsies kind of primary because they brought, you know, they wanted to put South Carolina first because they've the, the Democrat, the DNC feels South Carolina represents our country a little bit better than New Hampshire yeah. and Iowa. Looks more like our country. Yes. And so there were a couple of write in campaigns going on. Okay. One of them was to write in Joe Biden uh, and the other was to write ceasefire. And I think Trump actually got more votes than ceasefire in the Democratic primary. Um, but uh, Joe Biden walked away with it. Absolutely embarrassing Dean Phillips, who now is uh, much like Axios, touting his incredible uh, showing of less than 20 points in, yeah. in New Hampshire and that he's not going to drop out. 
I, I, I think the fact that four out of five New Hampshire Democrats voted against Dean Phillips shows that Biden's campaign is really on the ropes. The New York Times will have an article any minute. I mean, is Biden going to learn from this humiliating loss that he only won four out of five votes and they all wrote him in? My God, it's going to be like this. They need the horse race. But Donald Trump is not going to become more popular with people who didn't vote for him before January 6th. No. Donald Trump is not going to become more popular than he was the last time he ran. And Donald Trump is not going to become more sane. His campaign can be more disciplined, but he's going to keep messing up. And now that we know Nikki Haley seems to not be auditioning for a vice presidential job, this could be a very interesting four weeks ahead of us because she will not be dropping out before South Carolina. And that's a state Trump was going to win anyway. But instead of just winning it, he's going to burn money and become unhinged with racist and sexist attacks against this woman instead of just ignoring her and winning her state. It's going to be a noisy month. Yeah. And I don't think she has any reason to drop out before the um, Republican National Convention, because if no. Trump gets convicted, they're going to want somebody else to put on the ballot. She's going to stay funded and she's mm -hmm. going to keep racking up delegates. And exactly right. For a, a year, I thought Glenn Youngkin would be the great beige hope at the last minute. After right. The good, same. Uh, same yeah. After, after the good voters of Virginia guaranteed that wouldn't happen. Nikki Haley has got her eye on jury verdicts. And it makes a lot of sense for her to stay in the race, especially if there is a contested convention this summer. She's going to rack up delegates. She can take all the insults. And don't get me wrong. She's horrible and believes nothing. But compared to MAGA, she's Gandhi. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, I mean, who would I rather Joe Biden run against? Nikki Haley or Donald Trump? Donald, Donald Trump, Trump all day, every day. Yeah. Although I want to give Nikki Haley credit for finally teaching the children that the Civil War was caused by bad vibes. Really bad vibes. That. Yeah. yeah. Vibes. Um, and she'll, I think, uh, you know, I think Tim Scott is kind of vying for Secretary of Vibes position. Oh, in the you, think, you think he is? Boy, oh, man, let me tell you, there's embarrassing. There's reasons to get married. But so Donald Trump will like you doesn't make my I mean, I just want to I want to congratulate Tim Scott on his engagement. And I want to congratulate Tim Scott's wedding planner on getting the full deposit up front. Well played. Well played. There's things <laughs> in my fridge that will last longer than Tim Scott's engagement, people. Well, and he's going to keep, you know, kissing the ring, because if he doesn't, Trump's going to expose the fact that, uh, you know, well, you know, he's going to just expose. I don't think Trump, I don't think Trump would even do it. I, I, I don't think Trump needs to do that. That's not he's not that kind of sadist. He just gets off on the power. Right. And, you know, Trump said in his uh, victory speech in New Hampshire that uh, Nikki Haley could be charged with crimes. Yeah. Uh, five Ooh, things, five little even, things, some stuff, some little stuff. Yeah, he's threatening to weaponize government against his opponents. Weird. Isn't that yeah. what he's accusing? Wow. I'm, I'm going to write that phrase down. Maybe maybe some Republicans will want to use that sometime. Yeah, perhaps they could form a weaponization committee or something um, to look into it. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And they believe in nothing. And this latest kerfuffle with McConnell proves they believe yeah. in nothing but power. That's what I wanted to talk to you about, because I believe Beto O'Rourke uh, tweeted, they don't want a solution. They want the problem. Yeah. Uh, and McConnell was ready to put together a, a, a package uh, for, for funding the border and getting stuff done on the border, uh, hitched to aid for Taiwan, Israel, Indo-Pacific, uh, and Ukraine. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, no, um, Donald Trump told us not to because he's running for president. Yeah. Just admitting. Um, and he's a very 
politically savvy a-hole, but he knows what he's doing. And I'm, I'm very curious as to why he felt the need to tell everyone that Donald Trump was trying to tank the border deal. Well, you know, Chris Murphy and James Langford, the Republican from Oklahoma, who looks like a Chucky doll, and, and Kirsten Cinema, they've been working on this legislation to solve the border crisis. And again, let's get this out of the way. It's all bullshit. Both parties, it's all bullshit. If they wanted to stop border crossings, they would start arresting the white people who hire the undocumented workers. They'll never do it. Every time they raid some meatpacking plant and they say, oh, they arrested 300 illegals, they never arrest the white guys who are counting money in the back room on the ground floor. Okay? It's all a racket. There is a giant help wanted sign at our border and Republicans refuse to take it down. That should be the real story. Democrats won't do that because they're part of it as well. So, so no one's going to tell the truth about this, but that we could stop border crossings tomorrow by locking up everybody who decides to save a buck instead of paying a living wage to an American-born worker and hiring undocumented factory workers or nannies or yard workers. Or you children. Name. I mean, or they're... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the oldest racket in the book. And Greg Abbott can be the most obscenely fake Christian, my God, worse than, than Trump, Cheney, and Pence put together. You know, the Bible's a big game of telephone tag. Jesus says, welcome a stranger, but Greg Abbott hears, put razor wire in the Rio Grande to cut their children to ribbons. I think so, you said that's the only actual rule in the Bible about immigration, isn't that's it? That's the only rule in the Bible about borders or immigration, Old Testament and new, mm -hmm. the commandment to welcome the stranger. And Jesus says, when you don't, you don't welcome me. They're all fake Christians. Your listeners know that. But this whole border, Michigas, could be solved tomorrow. Now, they need this at the border. They finally solved their abortion problem and look what a mess it created for them. They don't ever want to solve this. They're literally nominating for president a guy who's hired undocumented workers at his properties to avoid paying a living wage to American-born workers in two different centuries. So again, Democrats should not even pretend that the Republicans are arguing any of this in good faith. They don't want it to stop. They need a crisis they can exploit. And Mitch McConnell has bowed to Donald Trump, who he hates, who, who has hurled racist insults at his wife. Yep. And he's acknowledged that he is the nominee in a closed door meeting with the Republican senators yesterday, said politics have changed. He called Trump the nominee. We don't want to do anything to undermine him. And we all said, oh, my God, they're bending the knee for Trump and they are literally going to kill their own immigration reform bill. Republicans said, no, that's not true. And today, Senator Willard Mitt Romney ripped Donald Trump and said the fact that he would communicate to senators and Congress people he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame Biden for it is really appalling. Mitt Romney said the quiet part out loud, and it's the firsthand eyewitness confirmation that Donald Trump has commanded of the Republican Party that nothing be done. Over here, you got these Elisa Phonics and Tim Scotts and Rubios and Cruises and J.D. Van on the side of the MAGA highway. All of them have sold their soul for MAGA. Mitt Romney just cut the ad Democrats are going to use for the rest of the year, where he admits that Donald Trump is making Republicans kill a border deal to make the crisis worse just to hurt Joe Biden. And the worst part about this, Allison, is Republican voters will never know because right-wing media will never 
cover this part of the story. Mm. But you can bet there'll I be a think, ton, of, though, ads, ton some, of ads for it. I think somebody, though, mentioned it on Fox today. I think I saw a clip of that. Really? On Fox, um, which shocked me, uh, frankly. But, I, I, you know, I think all the Coke money is going to Nikki Haley right I now. I think so, too. Yeah. And I don't think Murdoch is necessarily on the Trump train anymore. Oh, not um, at all. But, you know, we'll see what ends up happening. We'll see if the message gets out. But, I mean, to to undermine, the, to say that the, it's an emergency at the border, Greg Abbott, you know, this, wanting to defy a Supreme Court order, where actually four justices said civil war is cool, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, b- by not allowing the federal agents to do their jobs. By at, saying that that, that is the Texas border, not the American border. Right. He's literally making that choice right now. And he's doing this little pantomime about seceding. I don't really think they're going to allow all those Texas voters and electoral votes to leave this country. They always do this. The only thing Texas needs to secede from is fascists and high fructose corn syrup. That's it. (laughs) Liquid corn's not liquid. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I mean, Mike Johnson's got what? 219 in his majority, right? They're not going to do anything. He's calling on Joe Biden to do an executive order to fix the border. And he's also pushing H.R. 2, which is their hardline bill. And he knows no Democrats will do it. So Mike Johnson's already playing an act over here. They're really going to try to do nothing for the rest of the year. And now that falls to Democrats to start pitching bills every single day and start having votes. And I'm telling you, this is what they should do all the time. Start having votes every day. Take a lesson from the GOP's Obamacare repeal votes. Remember how they had, what, 70, was it? Votes to repeal? Maybe 80? A lot. We laughed at them because they were doing nothing. But what it was doing was politicking. And it was communicating to the folks at home on TV every day that we are fighting on this issue. We're fighting on this issue. We won't rest until we've taken health care away from your fellow Americans. Amoral and shitty. But it told the lunatics they're really doing something for us. And I'm telling you, Democrats need to get control of the media narrative and show that Republicans refuse to come to terms on anything to help the border because they want it to be this bad. They do. Assuming the media would bite. Um, Assuming they would. Yeah. But Democrats need to just have the votes. Just start having the votes every day. Let Republicans complain about it and keep having the votes over and over and over again. Because right now, you know this, it's only us news nerds paying attention. The rest of the world needs to know what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and then we're talking a little bit about that um, with regard to to New Hampshire, where where most people are like, oh, that Trump guy again? No. Yeah. Because we've been here this whole time steeped in it and they have not. Correct. All they know is, oh, this guy. No. (laughs) And now I'm talking about the independents. Right. And he would need more independence than he got last time to win. And he's getting far less. It seems to me the lessons so far out of Iowa, New Hampshire are there are far fewer MAGA people and they're just more dug in. That seems to be the the result of of what we're seeing. And independents are like, oh, the Trump guy is back. Nah. And while I do think it would be easier for, say, a Nikki Haley to beat Biden than Trump, if Trump's not the nominee, you know a lot of those MAGA folk are not going to show up nope, to vote. Nope, that's exactly right. It's going to be easy to beat either one of them because they're going to split. They're going to bifurcate the party into like 30, 70, right? Yeah, And right. Um, you can't win with 70% of the Republican vote. And it looks it looks like we need Ron DeSantis back in this thing, Allison. We, he's <laughs> and rested and ready. He's ready. 
He's got his boots on. <laughs> Look, he had no choice. He he couldn't bring it to term. I'm sorry, but he 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 supports aborting a campaign if it threatens the political life of the father. Okay, yes. people understand. <laughs> we got it. Thank you so much, my friend. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Always um, a pleasure. And uh, I hope that everybody tunes in weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, to tell me everything on Sirius XM Progress. It's channel 127. It's an excellent channel. There's a lot of great shows, and yours is one of them. And I really appreciate everything you do. And if you don't have Sirius XM, you can listen to the free John Field of Science podcast. for free every day. All the celebrities and authors and smart people like Allison Gill that come on my show. Thank nah. you so much. All right, my friend. We'll talk soon. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play what the fuck is that? I guess that's what we're calling it now. <laughs> just send us photos of animals and we'll guess, um, which just sounds absolutely fun to me. But what the mutt, what the hequine, opine on the bovine, what the shell, what's the model of your oxalotl? All, all the animal guessing games, please send them to us. Also, if you have uh, dissertation titles and theses titles, I love those. Those are fun. It's incredible how smart the listenership and the audience of this show is. It blows my mind. Uh, if you have a self shout out or a shout out for a loved one, a shout out for a small business or your business, uh, if you don't have pod pet tax to pay, you can send an adoptable pet in your area. And I really, really want to hear your student debt forgiveness stories, and also any good VA stories that you have if you get your health care at the VA. I get mine here at the La Jolla VA in San Diego. Just got a mammogram, walked in and out in 20 minutes, all clear. The doctors were amazing. The facilities are fantastic. I, I love my VA care. I know not all VAs are the same. As we used to say when I worked at the VA, if you've seen one VA, you've seen one VA. So I understand that. Uh, but let us know. Let us know your stories. So send all of it in to us, dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. First up from Carrie, pronouns she and her. Good news, student loan forgiveness. Yes, cha-ching. I love these stories. I didn't seriously go to college until after my husband, Tom, died in a car accident when I was pregnant with our youngest child. Oh my gosh, Carrie. Left as a widow at 26, raising four boys on my own. The only way I thought I could provide for my children was to go to school. It took me forever because not only was I a single parent, but I worked full time and the whole time I, I worked full time the whole time I was in school. Eventually, I finished an associate's bachelor's and two master's degrees because there's no real loan counseling. And when people are desperate to survive, they take everything they're offered. I ended up with $108,000 in student loans. My degrees are in education, which requires advanced credentials, but does not pay enough to cover the cost of getting said degrees. I've worked full-time and a part-time job since 2014-ish to help me pay my loans. I was one of those caught up in the shady student loan practices where I thought I was in the PSLF, that's the Public Service Loan Forgiveness, but I was not. I was on an income-based repayment plan. But I had not consolidated my loans, so five years of payments didn't count toward forgiveness. I consolidated the loans in 2015, but the payment count was reset. I was devastated, but carried on. But thanks to President Biden, I recovered those five years and received a discharge notice last summer. I seriously thought I was going to be paying student loans into retirement, 
Words cannot express my gratitude for what President Biden has done for me and all the others caught up in student loan hell. For pet pod tax, I'm including my most recent find, Con. Con! I found him on my doorstep, May 6th. I've been involved in my neighborhood for about 13 years, trapping and fixing cats to keep the feral population down. Several have stuck around after they were spayed or neutered, and I take care of them. On the Saturday morning of May 6, 2023, I went to feed three cats that come to my front yard every morning. And as I was going back into my house, this tiny kitten was just sitting there. I looked to see if I could see a mama cat, but did not. So I scooped him up after two emergency vet visits to drain fluid from his chest and several visits to the vet. He has somewhat integrated into my indoor cat family of six. The other cats are a combination of foster fails, cats I have found, and cats who have found me. They're all a bit older, so he messes with them in true kitten fashion. There's nothing funnier, Carrie, than a grumpy cat with a kitten. It is a grumpy old cat with a kitten. It's hilarious to me. He is a little miracle and came to me just days after I had lost a beloved cat, Dobby. I believe there are forces at work in our lives, and he and I needed each other. Thanks for all you do. Forces were also at work in my life when I found the Daily Beans. You've both been an inspiration and a calming element as we try to sift through and make sense of the daily news. Hugs. Look at the baby. Little gray and white tuxedo. Adorable. And then there's a kitten picture. Oh, you can see the glow up. Oh, what a sweetie. Thank you for sharing that, Carrie. $108,000. Ah, what a huge burden lifted. That's so amazing. Next up from Matt, he and him. Hello, queens of the legumes. I have a new game. It's called Spot the Cephalopod. I recently made friends with an octopus whom I've named Ollie. Well, maybe not so much friends as Ollie tolerates me while I follow him around with a camera while scuba diving. I've included two pictures, one to guess and one that shows you where Ollie is located. It's been a uh, in between is a picture of Josie in all her glory. Thanks for all you do. All right, let's see. Yep, I see him. I see the octopus. I see him right there on the rock, on the edge of the rock. That's a beautiful cat. Josie is beautiful. Long baby with the white patch on the chest. Yep, there's the octopus. Okay, cool. I got it. I spotted the octopus. I saw the cephalopod. I'm excited. All right, next up. Speaking of scuba, now is a good time for a correction on nitrogen. Our atmosphere is about 75% nitrogen. Scuba tanks are filled with 60 to 80% nitrogen. The problem is if you only breathe 100% nitrogen, you'll asphyxiate and die. Thank you to Chris and Sean and Greg for pointing out that nitrogen is not toxic. I wonder if it just said that in the article. That's interesting. Sean is unsure whether it would be a painful way to go, but Chris says, I live in a country that abolished capital punishment more than 50 years ago, but if I had to be put to death, nitrogen is the way I'd want to go. If you breathe 100% nitrogen, you don't feel anything, you just pass out. I know this because I'm a scuba diver and I've experienced the misusing a rebreather. Um, oh, I've experienced this misusing a rebreather. Greg, he and him adds about the nitrogen asphyxiation. It's also likely the most humane method of execution possible. If done well, as you have no reflexive response for oxygen deprivation or inhalation of pure nitrogen, as you would say, CO2-based asphyxiation environment, which is somehow considered humane for animals, I don't consider any execution to be humane. But what you all do now is extremely unethical. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
As for court battles, they're focused on the potential for the mask not sealing or the safety of others entering the room afterwards, which are both relatively easy concerns to mitigate. A better method, one I've been considering how to advocate for as a legally permitted medical aid in dying option, is a sealed pod with a pressure vent like a scuba respirator that requires a significant amount more gas, but slower and more peaceful. And more importantly, it's easily stopped by the uh, occupant. Importantly, for easily stopped by the occupant. I hope the potential um, positive use of nitrogen gas asphyxiation for assisted dying doesn't get lost in a capital punishment argument. Good point, Greg. Thank you. Um, please enjoy a pic of my pal Mickey, a.k.a. co-working cat. Was that Greg or was that? Yeah, that's Greg. Okay. Oh, I love orange kitties. They're so goofy. Hi, Mickey. Thank you for all that. I'm going to go back and read that article and uh, send those corrections into the author. Next up from Valerie, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. Wednesday, I finally got my uncle and mom to speak for the first time since my grandma's funeral in 1995. Wow, my mom is 86. My uncle is 77. They have no other siblings. My family's dysfunctional, but I finally fixed a wound that's been left to fester for way too long. My mom called me after she talked to my uncle and said it was the happiest, uh, and she was the happiest I've heard her in years. My uncle's going to start calling her every Monday. He promised to come up and see her in February. I don't have to go behind my mom's back to have an uncle again. For my pod pet tax, Josie and Calbert. Nothing to guess. They're just cats. <laughs> but we have another black cat named Barbie. Yes, she's named after a certain movie. No photo of her, but Yogi is a tiger. And he is merc he mercilessly attacks the bigger... Um, no, he merciless mercilessly attacks you begging for lubs. Pardon the mess. In the background, we are stripping wallpaper and repainting. <laughs> Look at the sweet babies. Oh, it's a beautiful void. I, I kind of like the stripped wall, but beautiful cats. And everybody, thank you for your submissions. Thank you for your corrections. Thanks for the info on nitrogen. Um, as you know, I am 100% anti-death penalty. I don't think we should be putting anybody to death. Um, but it's, you know, we, again, we don't want to give a bad name to assisted death, like people's choice to, to, you know, to, um, have dignity and, and die, um, on, you know, on their own. I don't want to give one of those methods a bad name because of its use in capital punishment. So very well put. Thank you very much for that. If you have anything you want to send into us, you can send it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Thank you to patrons. Check your inboxes tomorrow for, um, for information on the lottery for the RSVP for the DC MSW media meetup. Um, very much looking forward to seeing you all out there going to be going on tour. There's going to be plenty more opportunities if you don't make the cut this time and you will have priority in future events. Um, we're going to somehow wait it. I don't, I, I have a mathematician all set up to do this who can wait certain names to, to get it done fairly. I don't know. I I'm hands off. So <laughs> I just wish everybody good luck. And, um, of course there'll be a weekly wrap up, um, beans bonus for patrons. You get a whole extra episode. If you're a patron that happens this weekend, Jack will be out on Sunday. There is a cleanup bonus. There's a lot of swearing in this one because Pete and I talk about the pill mill at the white house under the Trump administration, and he's very mad. So you don't want to miss that. And that's for patrons of Cleanup on L45. I will be back in your ears on Monday. Dana will be back on Tuesday for the beans. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. Oh, take care of your family too. 
and bring everyone with you. I've been AG, and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis' first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch you will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.